this gentleman, this next gentleman has been a uh, business partner, uh, has been somebody who uh, definitely has caused me and forced me to grow. He's been one of those friends where it's like, oh man, he's, he's like way better than me and seeing him in business and knowing I had to up my game. Some get people who challenge us in our lives, right. To up our game. And he certainly has been this, he's been that best kind that uh, truly a mastermind in this business for me. I've learned so much, grown so much, uh, with, uh, with him and with their agency, our agencies run parallel. He's also direct to Edward Pritchett and the company. He is a, he's an advisory board member. He's a, I believe it's associate partner, uh, with the company. If I'm not mistaken, he's, uh, he's an equity partner with the company. He's, uh, one of the innovators that helped this company get to where we are today and is going to continue to see us in the future. He's got 37 agency owners inside of his agency. And that's not even counting all of them. He was humble. I've been here for nine and a half years. 2.5 million is their highest agency month. Let's go. 2.5 million. So much to learn from somebody like this. What a lot, I remember trying to get after 2.5 million in a year and their team is doing it in a month. And I just watched him speed up here. We're gonna talk a little bit about his timeline for not only income, but impact in this business. Help, help me uh, give a, a huge welcome to Mr. Brad Smith. Uh, welcome on that. Man, thanks, Brian. It's always humbling having you introduce me, uh, but uh, really appreciate it. Excited to be here. And um, you know, like you said, we've been running buddies from the beginning and I, I've been, uh, I've considered you a mentor of mine from day one. Uh, you've always been an inspiration to me and watching your whole, in fact, your whole team. Uh, you have, I would say, some of the strongest leaders in the entire company, part of the Delaney agency. And that's because it's a speed of the leader, speed of the pack. So excited to be on with you today. Yeah. Well, and likewise, man, how many times have we got on the phone and been like, yeah, I think I'm screwing this up. You do oh, this yeah. better than me. <laughs> like, What are you? I see your numbers going, you know, the fact that we, I mean, we, we broke out at 120 in the same month. We did. Yeah. How cool is that? You know, uh, when did you, when did you get, uh, when did you become equity partner? Man, I should know that. I don't remember the, I don't remember the month or even the year. Uh, He's got his chin so high up above this game. Look at, <laughs> listen to this, listen to this. I remember the month, the day, I remember the haircut when I got my third, when I became senior, uh, what was it, uh, managing partner, right? I just, uh, but um, yeah, so many times in this business, man, we both, can't, we, did, we both didn't come from the bottom, right, of the barrel when we came into this business. We had had success in the past. We weren't experiencing a lot of success at the time when we came into this business, even though you guys dress like it, you guys had, <laughs> you guys came in sharp and I was like, come on, man, I got to get better. Uh, but we both were not, we weren't at the bottom. We weren't at the top. We were looking for something new. And I guess that's really what I want to dig into first is if you can help uh, paint the picture for us about what things had were like for you and Matt and just I know you can share your experience for you uh coming in this door uh and talk about a little bit about your uh your mindset in the beginning uh kind of just coming in the door not what you were going to do but just kind of where you were in your life and in your business before uh right when you were coming into symmetry yeah yeah definitely I'll, I'll share kind of where I was um, financially, and then also mentally, and then I'm going to kind of set the foundation for the call too, 
with a, a story in the very beginning when we got started. But um, for those of you guys that don't know, like Brian said, direct to Edward Pritchett and Symmetry. Um, when we got started the end of March, 2013, we had just, so about nine and a half years ago, uh, we had just closed a business down actually about a year before we got started. So, um, you know, we had done pretty pretty well in that business, Brian. We, we were doing like 5 million a year. We were growing quickly and then the economy tanked and we weren't prepared. And um, it wasn't because the economy tanked. It's because we weren't prepared that we <laughs> we ended up losing that and uh, really not having the experience to know how to be prepared. But we were about $280,000 in debt. And a lot of people said, why don't you declare bankruptcy? Well, our parents had co-signed the loans. So we had to figure out how to pay off all that debt. And we we did end up negotiating. We we you know put our heads down. We found found uh, you guys, Brian, found Brandon and Casey, Edward, and felt like you know we could do this at least part-time. I actually didn't think that this would be the answer. I felt like it was going to be a, kind of a temporary thing. And um started part-time a day and a half a week. And I remember in the first month I earned ninety one hundred dollars and I thought this is costing me to not be full-time so after two months went full-time um but you know mentally where i was at is if you've ever been in a place where you have literally almost nothing i had 142 dollars in my checking account when i started um, we were maxed out on credit cards we had no access to money we'd already borrowed for a year um, that year, that year I made less than $15,000 before symmetry and, um, just trying to, I, I don't know if you guys have ever, whether it's a career, whether you lost a long-term career or a business, it was something that defined me. It was part of my identity. And so when you lose it and then you're starting over, you're questioning like, who am I now? I don't even know who I am. I'm not, I'm not a business owner. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not a, a a great provider. I'm not a good father. I'm not like all the things that defined me. I, I were in question now. <laughs> it's a terrible place to be because it keeps you up. And it's like that little pit that won't go away. It's right in there, right in your rib cage, just uh, will not go away. You know. I want to stop right there because anybody who's been there and had not only to look yourself in the mirror, but you had other eyes looking at you. We all know what that's like. It's just like this compounding stress that sits on you like a wet blanket that you're just trying, trying to get out of, but you have the confidence, you have so little confidence at the time that you couldn't fight your way out of a wet paper bag. Right. Yeah. And, and I just, I remember, I remember that feeling and that feeling seems like a permanent state, you know? And so, yeah, just wanted to make a comment on that, but love to hear how I remember it was about six months into the business, Matt and I uh, did a conference call for our team. And we were talking about knowing your why. And that's what drives you. And I always thought, you know, you hear about vision boards and picking out your dream car and your dream house and your dream vacations and all this stuff. And none of that stuff ever motivated me. I was already inherently motivated. And I realized later it's because of this personal identity that I had that I was so far away from my reality was so far away from my identity. And that is the strongest human driver. It's who do you see yourself to be? And that that's why we're so driven. We we had to get out we had, you know, it kept me up. I, I'd wake up at two in the morning trying to figure out how am I going to 
pay my light bills? How am I going to pay off all this debt and you know all the people in my life that I needed to support? So, um, you know, we got to work. We 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 started recruiting day one, not because we wanted to, not because it felt natural, not because like all those hesitations that everyone on this call has had about recruiting. We had the same hesitations. Uh, and it was like, well, we, we don't even know what we're doing. How can we recruit from day one? And we kept hearing it, but we said, you know what? Edward Pritchett has the results I'm looking for. I don't. My ideas, I might like them. I might think they're good, but my ideas got me where I'm at, which is broke and unhappy. I'm not, so I can't, I had to get, I had to realize that I can't listen to my own ideas anymore. I have to listen to the ideas of people who have the results that I'm looking for. And he was not only from an income standpoint, but from a time standpoint, from a purpose standpoint, from a happiness standpoint, he had what I wanted. Brandon and Casey, they had what I wanted. So we just said, you know what? We're going to get uncomfortable. We're going to put our ego in our back pocket and we're going to just do what they tell us to. That's the only thing that, Brian, that I can take any credit for is that we just followed the system, even though it wasn't comfortable, even though we didn't feel like we were qualified. We just did the work. We checked off the boxes every week and we did the work. And, um, you know, within 18 months, uh, we had our debt paid off. We settled it. We, we settled it for probably 170000 or so. And um, we had it all paid off, which is the best feeling in the world to be out from under that. I can't even tell you. It was like, it was like the colors got brighter. I mean, everything in my life improved. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, and, you know, the, the rest is history. We started going on vacations and the, the income was got better but it didn't come without struggle and and I want to I want to say one thing in from a mindset standpoint that really helped me when when I first got it was, was kind of actually I don't know exactly when but I know it was within the first 6 months of starting symmetry I um I flew out to you know my my wife's family lives in Arkansas we now live in Arkansas because of that and my my her her dad is a farmer He's got maybe 150 head of cattle. At the time, he had 40,000 chickens. Uh, I mean, like a serious farmer, 400 acres. And, and uh, you know, I always had a lot of respect for him because he never went to college, graduated high school, and then, and then went into farming. And he, at the time, he was worth probably $5 million, no debt, owned everything. And um, I've always looked up to farmers because of their mentality toward life. You know, for us, we go when we when we when we're hungry, we go buy food. We when we want groceries, we go buy food at the grocery store. But for a farmer, they understand seasons. They understand that there's a season for everything. And and so I've always respected his success. And so we were playing poker one time and he invited me to come come play. And it was with his friends. And Brian, when we were sitting there, <laughs> some of you guys have heard this story before. So if you have You'll just have to hear it again. But uh, these are these are other farmers. These are guys in John Deere hats and plaid flannel shirts and dirty, muddy boots. And and they're folding when the pot got to five dollars. So I'm thinking, OK, they don't have any money, but they're super nice guys. And we had fun at the end of the, the game. They all leave. And my father in law says, would you believe that I'm the I was the poorest person at that table? Of course, other than me, because I was broke, but other than me, he was the poorest person at the table worth $5 million. And I said, what? How is that possible? What did they all do? And how much were they worth? He said, the guy to my left was worth about $10 million. He made his money in oil. 
His entire life, he worked in oil, and he, he's worth about $10 million. The guy to his left is worth about $25 million. He's got about 6,000 acres and 6,000 head of cattle. He does international export, and, and his entire life, he's done farming. The guy to the left of him just sold his car business for $200 million. He had car lots all over the state, and he still owns the real estate, and he leases it to the new owners for hundreds of thousands a month. He said, you know what they all have in common? They all found something that was worth getting good at, and they spent their lifetime becoming a professional and getting good at it. They picked one thing. None of them made money in the beginning. They all spent time getting good at it. They didn't have shiny object syndrome going to chase the next best thing. They accepted the challenges that came with it. They overcame them, and they became multi, multi, multi-millionaires because of it. And he said, you need to find your thing. You need to find the thing that's worth getting, because all of us have spent time getting good at certain things that we look back, and they weren't worth getting good at. But I needed to find this thing. And so I said, this is it for me. I already can see the results. I see the lifestyle. I see the people that are making the money. I love these people. They, they're the kind of people that I want to surround myself with. This has got to be my thing. And so the obstacles that came, Brian, it was the, I was okay with the obstacles, even, even the ones I didn't expect. I was, I was let down sometimes. I was discouraged at times. But I didn't let them derail me because I knew that the next shiny object had those same similar challenges. So if I'm going to chase one thing for six months or a year or two years and then go to something else, I'm starting over. I'm hitting the reset button. And so I just, you know, Matt and I just decided early on that we were okay with whatever challenges that were there. We were just going to stay consistent and this was going to be our thing. And it's paid off. You know, thank goodness it's paid off. And we were just um, you know, we can talk through if you want to about some of those challenges, but that was the mindset that to me helped me make my decision that this is where I'm planting my flag. So I love I I love that. And and all right, there's myths out there. There's myths about all the things that you need to do in order to get wealthy. And what I love is that simple advice of don't do all those things, do one thing exceptionally well. Do one thing exceptionally well, focus on that one thing. And that's what I've heard time and time again is like, people will talk about the seven streams of income. Well, I'm, I'm diversifying. It's like, no, you're not. You're diluting. Exactly. You're not diversifying. You're diluting. Right. But if, if I hadn't waited in my business, like Edward Pritchett had given the example of starting a business until after my, the team was doing well over 500,000 submit per month. I wouldn't have been diversifying. I would have been diluting because that what I found to be true and what, what you found to be true, I know. And I want to go through some of like that progression of how things change for you. What you found to be true as well is there was no better place to plant the dollar in order to reap between, uh, between three and six than here. And that's what I saw was I plant the dollar. I harvest three. I plant the dollar. I harvest four. I plant a dollar, I harvest three again. Try to do that in the stock market and crypto market. If you get it on the way up, be careful. The way down's about to happen, right? And right now, this year, while there are mortgage businesses that are absolutely, we we just keep seeing through. We kind of like have this, you know, as long as our mindset stays right, right? Because it's we're in a recession-resistant business. We just have to have the recession-resistant mindset. 
And what we see is we see mortgage businesses struggling, real realtors struggling right now. We see all these people struggling. And what we what we decide to do is stay focused here. And it creates a shield between us and what's happening in the market and what drives it are the decisions that we make, not the conditions that we have, because we're in a business that's disrupting and creating more flow of revenue to symmetry in an in a crazy way, right? In a way that personally I have not seen uh, a company do 10 years in. So um, I, I would love to talk about some of these, some of that progression, because I remember hearing about the house that you and uh, your family, you, you guys were in when you first got started and first moved to Arkansas and where you are now, you said you made $9,800 in your first month. What was the progression of that? What did that look like? Fast forward, you know, Fast forward, uh, uh, let's say three years and then five years. What, how did that income change? And I think you might may have frozen. Let's see. Let's see. We'll, we'll get him back on the line. All right, there we go. All right, yeah, so, yeah, I'm at my office. We got a guy actually coming to look at the internet today. Um, okay, I heard you say you were talking about recession proof, recession proof mindset. Yeah, we we have this. Re we have to have a recession proof mindset to continue to see it because, like, it, there we can be going through a personal recession, like, we, and that's what where both of us were when we came here because we we knew we wanted outcomes from different places, and, but. Talk about that. You said ninety eight hundred dollars in your first month. You know, talk about what it looked like three years in. Let's just talk about because you you paid the price, right? You did the work. You paid the price. You became a top producer inside of this business. You were you were awesome at getting out there, leading from the front. Of this business because you were doing the right things, hiring, uh, you know, identifying, qualifying, selecting people, leading from the front, understanding that you're upgrading the way that you led. You were following the four cornerstones. But let's talk about let's talk about income as it grew. Uh, sure. It's always a little uncomfortable to talk about income, but, uh, but, uh, I think it is important to know the reality of, of, cause that's a part of why we're here. Um, three years in is when we, it was, I don't remember what month we had our first 50,000 hour month, but it was consistently fifth over 50,000 a month at about the three year mark from an income standpoint. And then at five years, it reached the six figure monthly income mm -hmm. since then. So. So five years, if it hit the six figure of revenue per month. And I, I think this is so important because in the short term, in the short term, we can be like, well, I want to get comfortable before I start sharing this opportunity. Like that's our decision. Right. And those were some of those that you said, you had some of those same thoughts that other people did. But what I hear you saying, saying is you kind of, you, you were looking at the future rather than how you felt right now. Like, how are you going to feel about growing a great business and doing that, having the same results of the people you were taking advice for? You said you identified, you said, looked at Brandon, Casey and Brian, you said, they've got the results we want, right? You looked at Edward, they, he's got the results I want, right? You and I work together chasing that, right? Um, so talk, talk about how you escaped kind of that small mindset in the beginning, that circumstances we're trying to get you in, in order to have the big mindset of, this is going to be amazing in three years. I just have to do things that are uncomfortable now. Well, here's the beauty about what we do. What we do is predictable. 
Mm-hmm. We talk about it all the time. It's systematic. It's predictable. We know. Like I, I had the formula of how to pay my bills today. I had the formula of what what I needed to do on a, on a daily, weekly basis to pay my bills to make an income. And as long as I could do that, that kept my emotions stable. Mm-hmm. If I'm not doing the basic weekly routine, my emotions are all over the place. And then I'm questioning the opportunity. I'm questioning myself. I'm questioning if this is going to work. I'm questioning my future. But if I can be stable in my activity, if I'm buying the the right amount of leads every single week, making the dials every single week, no matter what, I'm checking off the boxes and I treat it like a job, then I can have stability in my income, activity, stability in my emotions. And then what that allows me, because if I don't have that, if I don't have that stability, my focus is not on the future. It's on the immediate. And if it's not on the future, I'm not growing. I am stuck. So if you've got to start there, you've got to start with what is your weekly routine need to be in order for you to make the income to keep everything stable. Once it's there, then the game becomes fun. You can think about the future and what do I want? Where am I going? And and it's scalable. You can just continue to to grow it. The more you build your team, the more you're doing the the activity, it's just growing and it becomes fun. And, you know, I did want that, I guess the $50,000 a month income, the hundred, I I really didn't know if I would get there possible. But what drove me was I wanted to be a part of an elite group of people. I wanted to be on the inner circle. That's what drove me. It wasn't actually the money. It wasn't the even the destination. I heard a quote recently that the man that loves the walk will go further than the man that loves the destination. Think about that. The man that loves the walk. We learned to love the walk. It was the it was the journey. We loved it. I still love it. Eventually we'll, you know, the destination's going to continue to grow and get brighter and but it's being a part of this elite group, this inner circle that uh, it makes life fun. You know, it makes this business fun, doing it with the right people, not just doing it for the destination. It's kind of like, Brian, like, a, you know, it's fun to it's fun to get on the leaderboards. It's fun to get the trophies at conference. But if you're living for that, once you get you're living in the past at that point. You're celebrating the past and you're living on it. And there's been times that, you know, we fell into the trap of we got we got the trophy, we got to the destination, and the next year we didn't grow. And the year after that, we didn't grow. We plateaued because we weren't asking the question of how do we get better? How do we? So I've grown so much more when I don't get the trophy, when I don't get my goal, when I don't get to the destination. Then I say, what am I doing wrong? How do I reflect? How do I get better? What do we need to change? And those are the those are the best time. Those are the best lessons. Is when you when you don't get there, and and it's that's that's what I'm talking about. When it's, that's the journey. That's and so you've got we've gotten to the point, Brian, where even if we get the trophy, even if we get in the leaderboards, now we're still consistently asking that question of how do we get better? How do we improve? Not comparing ourselves to other people because there's other people outside of this company that are doing way better than the best people in this company. So if I'm always only comparing myself to who's here, I'm limiting what's possible. We've got to always ask that question of how do we get better? How do we grow? Um, so, you know, your question was around uh, looking to the future and a certain income. 
and that's fun. It, I, I, it's have to do that. You have to. I spoke at your conference, this last conference you guys did, and I talked about dreaming. I talked about having a vision and having clarity. But it's not just to get there. It's it's so that you can get excited about why you're doing this. You're not. Otherwise, what happens is you start focusing on the challenges challenges of today, and you start thinking, "I don't like the walk. I don't like this journey." Well, it's probably because you don't have a big enough vision of where you're going, because when you do, the obstacles become small and the journey becomes more fun. So having that vision, that big vision, that exciting vision, the one that the one that doesn't require an alarm clock, the one that gets you out of bed every single day, that kind of a vision, that's exciting. That's fun. And that that makes the journey that much better. And I, I found I found that exactly the same thing. It's like my, um, one of the, you know, my, my schedule, it's the assembly. It's uh, my schedule. When I work it correctly, it's the assembly booklet for my, for my dreams, right. For my life. Right. And it's, it's how I design my life based on vision and values rather than based on emotions and circumstances. See, I think emotions have a very, very powerful, um, way of motivating us. And I, I hear you saying that it's like, what, okay, so I had a vision for the future, and I did the work to get evidence for that vision that that was possible in the present, no matter how small. Because if I could have a little bit of it today, I could have more of it tomorrow. And I see some people they they spend all this time they put they put the vision board in, but then they avoid the difficult parts of the path in order to get there, and therefore end up paying the price by not getting what they want later on. And so, if we know, like in the moment there's not always going to be access to that vision. We don't have to like things get hard. We don't like drive home from our office and look at our vision board. Right. We just, we just are obedient to the things that we have set up previously in order to make that happen. And then we start bringing, uh, then that starts getting the evidence that starts getting the short-term money. Because if I listen, if I can make a dollar, I can make two, right. If I can make two, I can make 200. Right. But it, it also allows me to scrape all the crap away. That's not going to help me, right? Oh, I've got a, I've got these bills. I've got this thing happen. I've got this thing happen. What's one thing I can do right now to make this bad situation better? How quickly can I write a thousand dollars and bring it? Right? Okay. Now I've got the evidence for that. Let me, let me transfer this over. How many people can I get on the phone with? So I have a reasonable shot at finding somebody who I, who I'm fired up about working with. Right? Okay. So there's a conference call on. Am I going to multitask, right? Or am I going to be task focused? Am I going to focus on the task? Am I going to write the notes that are coming from the mindset of somebody who's already walked the path before me, right? And it's those seemingly small decisions that when we make them the wrong way, when we don't think that they're important, when it's like, okay, there's four cornerstones and one of the, this is in relationship to one of those cornerstones, it becomes these small detours. And before we know it, we're making decisions so far out in left field, we can never find home base. Again. And, and that's what it was. It wasn't that you guys didn't uh, get away from the path. It's just, you always found your way back to it. You found your way back to it. You had those seasons of going astray, just like I have, just like anybody has, but you found your way back to that path because the vision was compelling and your willingness to do the work in, uh, in the moment was getting results. And so I, I love that question. What do I need to do now in order to, in order to just get the results? What, 
and what don't I need to pay attention to at all? Because if my bills are racking up. It's just like, call the people, set the appointments, write the apps, get paid. Like, how can I do that? And when I feel great about what I get paid, how many people can I share that with? Right. Because they're looking for an opportunity to get financially free to own their own life, own their own business, right. Own their future. Um, uh, we're right now we're in the middle of a season. We work really two seasons a year. One is in the spring and one is in the fall, right? Jim Rohn has that famous uh, quote. If you don't plant in the spring, you'll, you'll become uh, you'll beg and you'll, you'll have to beg in the fall, right? If you don't plant in the spring, you'll beg in the fall. So talk about seasons and how knowing what season you're, you're in uh, has allowed you to really kind of see this business for what it was and do the right things when it was time to do them. Yeah, it's always a great time to reflect on your business when seasons are changing. The weather's getting colder, the leaves have changed, they're starting to fall. Uh, we know that following every autumn is winter, following every winter is spring, following every spring is summer. It's predictable, the time of the year. The same thing is true in life. Everything happens in cycles. There's a rhythm to everything in life. And knowing what season you're in, the Bible talks about this. Uh, every success book probably talks about they talk about seasons and rhythms and and here's the thing that i misunderstood brian about about the planting season versus the watering season and then the harvest first of all if you don't know what season you're in you don't know the work that needs to be done you first have to acknowledge what season you're in in your life and in your business and then what season symmetry is in because without knowing the season, you don't know the work that needs to be done. So in the spring, it's planting season. Here's what's great about that. You don't have to worry about all the work that has to get done in all four seasons. You only have to focus on the work that has to be done in the season that you're in. Now, understand what I'm saying in this, that you don't need to worry about all, this, all the things you need to learn in symmetry. And 10 steps ahead, you only need to focus on the one or two things that you have to do in the season that you're in. You don't have to get overwhelmed. Just focus on the work that needs to be done in your season. Here's the other thing that, uh, that I've learned about seasons since coming to Symmetry. I never felt like I ever got to a place of harvest in my life until Symmetry. And so I never knew what came after harvest. I thought that my entire life, I was just in the planting season and then in the watering season. Then I had to start over and go back into planting season and the watering season and go back into planting. And I never got to harvest. And I thought that once I got to harvest, that's where I would stay. That doesn't happen in life. That doesn't happen in seasons. After every summer, there's fall again. And then there's winter. <laughs> but I can be prepared, though. And I can tell you, winter, for me, is one of the best times of the year. I love snow in the ground. I love when it gets colder. I love sitting by the fire and having coffee and, you know, socializing with my family and friends. It's some of the best time of the year, unless you're broke. <laughs> then it's like the worst time of the year. You go into Thanksgiving, you're stressed out about Christmas, how I'm going to afford presents for my kids. I mean, being in winter... When you haven't prepared or when you've lost the harvest is a terrible place to be, but it keeps you humble. Man, does it keep you humble? Um, 
So that's just a word of advice when you get to your harvest. Don't don't rest on your laurels. Don't don't internalize your success to the point that you think, you know, I've seen so many people do that where they they just sit there in their harvest on their throne and they think that, you know, it's just winter is coming. It it, it it's just everything is seasonal. But it also is encouraging too, Brian. Like when I was in my planting season, I knew that there's a process for it. Nature plays its course. I have my role too, but nature runs its course and there is spring ahead. Summer is coming again. I remind myself of this because there's things that, you know, you guys know that I lost my brother a year ago. And I know, man, that is the hardest thing I've ever gone through. But I do know that spring is ahead. And so anything that you're dealing with, any financial struggles, relationship issues, it's seasonal. It's only for a period of time. And there's work to be done. There's a role for us to play. Um, you know, th there's there's a few key analogies that the Bible uses a lot. It's, it's agriculture is one big one. Agriculture is a big one. But architecture is another one. And both require digging down before building up. Both require digging down before building up. And they both require having a vision, knowing where no architect would ever start a project without knowing what the building is going to look like at the end. I remember living in, I lived in Chicago for about a year, a long time ago. And I remember, I remember a skyscraper that was being built. And I remember, uh, if you can imagine going down one of the busiest roads in downtown Chicago and a fence where you can't see past it, they've got like the plastic that goes around it. And you can't see the work that's being done. And I remember it looking like that, Brian, for at least six months, maybe even a year. And everyone's thinking that they're not doing any work. When are they going to actually start? Well, <laughs> you just couldn't see the work. And I remember people asking the same thing about me and my business. When is this thing going to start to work? You've been doing this thing for a long time. It doesn't look any different. Well, there's, there's a transformation that happens underground. There's a transformation in dark places that nobody can see. And if you stay patient and you stay focused, eventually you break ground. And I remember that skyscraper, Brian, hitting, like going to the top way quicker. Within a few months, all of a sudden it's like, man, where, why weren't they working on this like this before? Mm. You just don't know the work that's happening. It's so how many how many times have we both been in that been in that season? where been in that place where the, the, you know, for, for, uh, for us, when I was running my construction company, the first two months worth of work, you couldn't see anything above ground. You could not see anything above ground. You would drive past a lot. A lot would look the same. You drive past a lot. A lot would look the same. You might see some machines. You might see some uh, uh, piles of dirt move, but nothing like a house. Not, nothing that looked like a house, yet that was the most important and foundational work that had to get done, yet it was unseen, right? It was unseen. And I love the, I love the imagery that you've used before. It's, it's, it can look like the, the, the uh, work is getting buried when it's really getting planted, right? When it's really getting planted. And I love, I love that imagery because there were so many times in this business where I could have quit because the money wasn't right in that moment. 
I was one decision away from being a, having a legacy of a bad review on Glassdoor. Like that would have been my legacy. Oh, Brian Delaney. I remember him. He had a, he had a bad review on Glassdoor for symmetry because he quit. He, he, he quit when you couldn't see above anything above ground. I was, I was so close to where that was my legacy rather than a legacy of impact and duplication, right? A legacy of taking the system that symmetry has built for us, the simple duplicatable system and learning how to keep it simple and, and duplicate it. Right. And how many times in this business, did you have to kind of look away from what was there now and know that, okay, this work is happening. We we're just planting it right now. We're just planting the work right now. Right. And it's, it wasn't until like three months later where you saw the house pop up and the house pops up house pops up in like a month and a half. Right. It's six, six, six to, uh, it's usually six to eight weeks worth of work that we'd spend framing it. And you would see all that above ground work and you'd be like, oh, wow, it's almost done. But you know what? Us drawing conclusions about the season we're in mm. is not what we're supposed to do. We just need to do the right work on the season and not come to any judgment, uh, not to come to any judgment on it because the house wasn't almost done. It just appeared that way. It was actually just, it was just actually a puzzle full of sticks that was being put together. Right. And the real finish work that was, that was going to, that was going to happen. But while that was happening on the inside, it, lo- it was going to look like nothing was happening on the outside. Right. And that's, it, oh, that's it's so good. Oh my, I don't know if people caught that. All the work happened on the inside. Nobody on the outside sees the work being done on the inside. Oh my goodness. And, and so that's good. And that's, that's what Jim Rohn is talking about when he's talking about the winter season, right? Nobody's clapping for you. Nobody's applauding for you because, you know, if you, if it's when you're first getting started in the company, you like, you don't get, you don't get credit for the seasons that you went through before here, right? It starts when you get here, you got to go in and you got to, you got to act like it's spring. You've got to act like it's summer. You've got to act like it's all four seasons until you can catch up until your bank account reads a reads a number where you can say okay now i can actually be in the season that i'm in rather than just putting in this massive amount of activity uh in the beginning which we all have to do like we even if i get started in the winter i can't act like the winter it's no time when i'm getting started to take stock evaluate increase knowledge or create a plan it is time to execute on the freaking plan that's what uh, that's what time it is until i can get myself into at the uh, until i can get myself to the starting line of survival stability and on the pathway to success right and and that's that's it, it's it's powerful and knowing what season to direct the work i want to like um there were a couple of things that i saw you very practically do Talk about your mindset, especially I think people have this thing of balancing production and building. Talk about your mindset because you were one of the top producers in the company. You were a phenomenal producer. You could go out and get it done. What was your, what happened when you came into those seasons or when you came into those times where you were getting the work done in the field, you were building, you were coaching people, you were getting started and you just felt like that buzz and it almost felt overwhelming or maybe it did because it was your first time doing it. How did you, how did you get your mindset? right again you're saying how did i get my mindset when we had the wins and the successes 
Well, no, just when you were out there doing it, like your, your mind, instead of letting, letting back, like you were out there, you were making your 20,000 a month happen. You were getting that business paid. You were leading the team from the front and you guys were recruiting and developing people, right? When that was difficult, how did you, like, how did you manage your mindset and, and manage your activity during that? So you didn't do just enough work to, uh, to just enough work to create the, uh, to create um, a result, but it wasn't, you, you wouldn't get paid for it. Cause that's what I see people do. They edge up to that results line. They'll do work for 60 days. They'll have that focused activity and they'll back off it after 60 days and they'll be missing all the gold because they were an inch from oil, but they backed off because they were feeling like, Oh, I can't, I can't maintain this for the night. I can't maintain this. This is what I can do all the time. So yeah, talk about how you manage your mindset. So somebody on this call is going to hear what I say. Most will miss this. This this was everything for me. This was make it or break it for me. This this what I'm going to tell you right now was the reason we became successful. And if we hadn't done this, I can promise you we wouldn't have. We didn't chase a feeling. Too many people chase a feeling. They only they only do the work when they feel motivated. They only do the work because they want the acknowledgement. They want the applause. And when they don't get it, they get discouraged and they quit. Or because they're feeling hurt. It's all based on, they don't do the work without the feeling. And we didn't, we didn't do that. I was process driven. I, I, it, it took time to create the habits, but it was the habits that got me to where I'm at. 100%. 100%. I wasn't even trying to be number one. I wasn't trying to like be the top producer. I wasn't trying to be a, a top recruiter. I was trying to be consistent with my habits and my activity. That's it. That's it. And then we celebrated the wins. We celebrated the results. But it was, it was, it was being emotionally attached to the activity, not to the result. I, I wasn't waiting for someone to praise me. It happened and I loved it. It felt great. But that's not what drove the activity. It, it, it would no matter what it would have happened um uh, because otherwise guaranteed at some point you're going to be let down probably a lot and then at some point it will derail you at some point you're going to go somewhere else and it was it was just being consistent with the activity um so you know when i'm not saying I, there wasn't times i got discouraged there wasn't i'm not saying there wasn't times that i questioned if this was going to end up working out but i was always taught probably a lot by you brian but a lot by edward activity fixes everything i heard it all the time i got so sick of hearing that i i did complain about something right activity fixes everything i'm telling i got brandon casey would say it we go to the like you know i'm not getting enough leads or i you know i i i went zero for 10. And, you know, I'd get discouraged. I'd, I'd still stay in the habits, but I'd get discouraged. Activity fixes everything, Brad. I'm a hundred, you know, $280,000 that activity fixes everything. Just one and more. There's no, there's no problem that one more person can't fix. How exactly. many times did we hear that? How many, you don't get it. 
Like my problems are real problems. Stop with your little quippy sayings. You don't understand. If you understood my problems, you would see how more activity is not going to fix the problem. You would see how just one more person can't change this business. Like I always felt like saying that, but it was just like being humble enough to be able to be like, I know, you know, something I don't because you got something that I don't. <laughs> it's like, I gotta, I gotta show. Oh, today is the best day. You can hire better people today than you ever have in your whole entire business. Shut up. I'm so tired of hearing that. Like, and, and listen, I got tired of hearing the same things because I wasn't implementing those solutions. And I, it was, I heard those things. And every time I heard it, it went from here to here to where I could start to see it to here where I could start to feel it. Finally, it got down here got in my guts to where it wasn't somebody saying it to me, but it became this external message that became this internal fire. Exactly. Right. And, and that's what, when it says take 100% of the ownership, it's learning how to take that. And now it's yours. It's not with symmetry's four cornerstones. It's my four cornerstones. It's, oh, it's, so it's but that's something and in hindsight, it's easy to look back on, but when we're doing it, when we're in the middle of it, it's hard to see. It's hard to see because the line between success and failure, especially if you've had a few failures before you came here and you're more familiar with what failing feels like than winning does, it's very hard to determine where we are. And so we just have to look at it and have to say, okay, I did, I did the best that I could today. I remember all I wanted on Tuesday, all I wanted on Tuesday, but no matter what the result was, I wanted to know that I did everything that I freaking could. And that I was not going to leave any regrets on the table for my for my days of production. That I I was doing I was pushing myself as hard as I could, and I didn't leave any excuses out there. I just I just would put my reasons out there and get it done. And it didn't matter whether it was five thousand in that week or three thousand in that week, because it would always turn to be at the same thing. It would always turn out to be that fifteen to twenty thousand dollar month with twelve to fifteen thousand placed. It would happen every single month because I understood the formula in the beginning for what I needed to do. And I think that's something, don't miss that. This isn't about a feeling like feeling good or feeling bad and convincing yourself to feel good. It's about knowing what is your formula? How much do you need to produce? How much do you need to invest? How much time do you need to put into work? And I promise you the first time you operate on that formula, you're not gonna be as good at it as the next few times that you operate on that formula. And from there, when we know we're doing those things, we can build a mindset on top of that. Um, I love that. I want to uh, give an opportunity for the Jesse, you are, uh, you came in and you threw down on some production. I want to, I want to open this up to you. You've just been such a great example. What question do you have for, uh, have for Brett? You're asking me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're, you're a One guest thing, you threw it up. <laughs> so. Well, thank you. And uh, if it's okay with you guys, I would love to continue to stay and build the culture with the Delaney agency and build my agency on these calls because uh, it's more in alignment with my morals and values. Yeah. One thing that you said, Brad, was that we didn't chase a feeling. So you were process driven. It, it took time to build the habits. It's the habits that got the success, but you were emotionally attached to the process, not the results, right? So uh, thank you for the opportunity to ask the question. My biggest question would be uh, when 
you made that transition from because you started recruiting from that very beginning and you said it didn't feel natural. So how did you constant because I'm sure there were battles in developing. I've hired four different recruiters and none of them worked out for me. So there are always going to be struggles. But like, how did you stay in alignment when recruiting got difficult? and continue the processes like like what was that one thing that just kept you going making the transition from recruiting and producing and coaching and all of those things so it's similar to brian's question but what kept you going reminding myself that millions of other businesses have come before me and had success and every single one of them had an hr department they all had a recruiting department. If I want to have a successful business, I don't want to be a sole proprietor. I don't want a job to own me. I want to be at a point where I can be on the beach and have an income without my work. That's what I want. That that's that's you know like people say how are you so driven? I'm not. I'm temporarily motivated to be permanently lazy. That's that's me. <laughs> I am temporarily motivated so I can be permanently lazy. And the only way for that to happen is for me to leverage other people's time and effort. Think and Grow Rich talks about it. Napoleon Hill interviewed the 500 wealthiest people around the planet for 20 years and said, what do they all have in common? Other people's money, OPM, other people's ideas, OPI, OPE, other people's efforts. That's what they all had in common. They all learned how to leverage, leverage. And so if I am struggling, okay, I'm struggling, but millions of other businesses have figured this out. I can too. I'm just not doing something right. I'm not, I've got to learn something. You know, I, like it's, it's so funny. People will say, I've hired 15 people and they didn't work out. Do you know how many people Walmart hires and replaces on a daily basis? Daily basis. Do you think they get their feelings hurt when somebody quits? <laughs> They don't because they have a recruiting process. They don't get emotionally attached when they place an ad. They don't get emotionally attached when they do an interview. They don't get emotionally attached when somebody says, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work, and then they don't show up on their first day. They don't. It's a process to bring people on, to train them. To... So I always looked at my, my, myself as a business, and I've got to have a recruiting process. I've got to have a training process. I've got to have staff in place. If I don't have, if I can't afford staff, I am staff. I am wearing all the hats until I can afford to pass one off to somebody else and then pass one off to somebody else. And so to me, it was, it was my mindset that I've got to learn how to do this because other, so there's so many other people who have done it. It's not that it's, it's not even that it's hard. It's that it's, there's nothing in this business that's easy or hard. It's only familiar or unfamiliar. That's it. It's not that when I first learned how to drive a stick shift, that driving a stick shift is hard. Millions of people have learned how to do it. It's that it just was unfamiliar to me. And so I always had that mindset that I can't look at this as being hard just because I'm not doing it the right way because it's not working out for me. It's not hard. It's, I haven't, it's not become familiar to me. And that that gave me because otherwise you can beat yourself up like you can start to say, you know, either this doesn't work or I don't work and I'm not good or this isn't good. It's not that's not the case. It's just that it's not familiar. And it, it just it helps to keep a positive attitude. So. 
I can't tell you how much I needed to hear that. <laughs> thank you so much. And yeah, to follow up, when you said you need an HR department, does that mean you also would set or HR budget from the beginning? 100%. And just, that's just my follow-up. 100%. You have to treat this like a business. <laughs> and your business gets paid before you do. That was a That was a lesson I had to learn early on. I cannot take the income from the business and then use what's left over for the business. That's stealing from my business. I can, if I can only afford, I have to pay the bills of the business and then what's left over is for me. It's not the other way around. And I've seen so many people starve their business and they don't grow because they don't have, they, they can't afford leads or they can't afford recruiting. No, it's because you're backwards. You're paying yourself first. And then if there's anything left over, you use it for the business. That's not being a business owner. You still have an employee mindset. That's not a business owner mindset. And I had to change that. I had to fix that for myself. Edward straightened me up pretty quick on that. Oh, my goodness. That's it. Brad, I hate to put you on the spot. Is your calendar, can we have a part two next week? Is that, is that, is that, is that anywhere in your calendar for us to be sure. able to do? If you want to, yeah, if do. we, if, I, I think it, would everybody agree part two to this so we can get into, okay, awesome. Uh, there's a lot more questions and especially that one right there. I love, I love this perspective because I will not act. I will not act. Uh, I, 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 it's not even that I won't, I cannot act in ways that are inconsistent with the way I see myself. You hit that on the front end. And then on the back end, we know what necessity is the mother of innovation or invention, right? And so if I pay myself first and I get all of my all of my house taken care of, right? My business isn't a necessity, but food is. So I have the cart. I'm trying to build a, a cart that drags horses. I got I got it the wrong way. I'm almost right. I've got both elements. But if I pay my business first, and live on what's left over, I'm going to have to increase the total number. So I have more left over. So I have more left over and that's going to create necessity. There's so many organizations out there who are willing to put you in debt in order to drive necessity. We are on the pathway to financial freedom. We want you to be able to manage it. Now, some, some people are only in that position where the only way they can do it, the only way they can grow themselves in their business is to put themselves in a giant hole financially. Don't recommend that. Recommend you developing yourself into the type of person who can make decisions like I'm going to pay my business first. I'm going to live on what's left over. I'm going to increase the leftover by increasing the total revenue. And I'm going to get a mindset about the fact that even if this is unfamiliar for me, it's familiar with for someone else. And I need to I need to just come up with a question, no matter how basic or bad I think it is to be able to ask those people. And the question that I would be asking is. I would be looking at the people in the agency, outside of the agency, who are the best at what you're trying to do. Like, there is no, like, the only shame in not being good at production and asking for help is if you don't do that second part, right? Is if you don't do that second part, if we don't get committed, because we do figure out that cash flow piece and we want help. We want people along or, uh, along with us for the ride and figuring out that cash flow piece so that we're growing that at the same time. Because I know, Brad, you have a powerful leadership team and that's where your duplication is. And so I want to talk more about that next week, dig in and also allow for more people to ask questions 
if you're uh, if you're good for that. And you can just text me after if uh, asking you on the line and putting you on the spot what well, didn't work and you figure something else out. But otherwise, uh, otherwise we're we're gonna plan on that and just you know learning from learning from the best how to be the best. This this call, you know, I say it say it quite often. This call was like digging for gold in Fort Knox, and uh, we found it. So hope everybody has a phenomenal week. We've got part three of our switchboard training hosted by Gino Locklear, Aaron McLean, and our switchboard expert himself, Mr. Rob Burley. We have uh, we have uh, a great uh, national call coming up on Wednesday. Uh, make sure to hop on that. You have your team huddles throughout this week. If uh, otherwise, this will be the last week of that switchboard training. We're going to return to normal help desk and Q&A calls. On Thursday, we've got our builders team. Uh, Friday of this, uh, we also have Agency Owners Academy. Fired up to see a lot of you in town for that. Let's go. Let's have a great week. Let's make this the Christmas that we remember, not another one we regret. Let's do it by uh, by making it happen now. As soon as we get off, let's not hesitate. Let's do it now. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, everybody else for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this call as much as I did. And thank you for learning with me today and growing with me. Talk to you soon.